podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. And we're going to deep dive head first into the frenzied melee of NFL free agency. How about those Patriots? So much for a dynasty in decline, flashing the cash to try and reclaim their crown. We'll look at the other big movers as well. Pick uh, our winners of free agency, maybe the odd loser as well so far. Update you on who's gone where, who's still on the market. Yes, gang, we're going to get you up to speed. So let's get straight into it. Welcome back to the show, the always brilliant Ben Isaacs. Ben, good to see you, bud. Are you ready for our free agency whirlwind show? Because that's what this is. It is trademark whirlwind show. Well, I've been fielding a lot of offers from other podcasts. Um, (laughs) The the deals were all very different. I've had my people look at them. And in the end, this this was the one we decided to go with. We're very excited to be here at the... (laughs) which podcast, the, the Nat Coombs Show podcast. Unbelievable. Very happy to talk about free agency with you today. And to think we franchise tagged Jason Bell as opposed to you. And <laughs> that's the respect <laughs> we get. Great to see you, bud. We're going to get into all the big deals and some sleeper deals as well that you've put together for us mm. uh, in just a little bit. We'll talk Drew Brees as well. He's officially announced his retirement. Of course, that's the worst kept secret in football, but... Uh, it was getting interesting for a little while there as all the master Peyton Manning retired five years ago to the day. Damarito retired 20 years ago to the day. And then he, why is Bree still not retired? But it, he has officially hung him up now. So we'll, we'll celebrate one of the all time greats. Uh, but I want to lead off before we get to any of that with breaking news. We're recording this on Monday, the NFL announcing that the draft and you love the fact the draft is taking place in Cleveland. I know you're a huge fan of that, Ben. Uh, yeah, I've only draft, had food poisoning once in Cleveland. Yep. 29th of April to May the 1st taking place and it's taking place, taking place. No virtual draft this year. It'll be back. Not exactly normality, but something vaguely resembling a normal draft. Yeah, there's going to be events where fans can can attend. The top picks will be there. They will be they will be announced, um, you know, on a on a stage, not from Roger Goodell's living room. Um, <laughs> I am I am I am excited. Of course, maybe they you know, can recreate Goodell's living room on the stage. Well, I mean, I'm sure his house is big enough. Um, so you know, it could be that they could just move the house, and that would be the stage because I'm sure it's massive. Or a kind of in, you know a theatrical interpretation of watching it as on the stage would be quite interesting. I, you know, I don't want I don't want to upset anybody in in Cleveland, but Cleveland isn't obviously as big a destination as Las Vegas. That's not <laughs> cool. Hopefully, that's, that's not too controversial. Isaac's hot take number but one. But it's good. It's fun to have people there and people cheering and people booing, and then hopefully things will be completely back to normal in time for the Vegas one a year later. Big time, because I w- was really looking forward to those players being taken to the stage. Uh, via gondolas, that was, uh, I mean, I think out of everything that COVID has affected sporting-wise in the last 12 plus months, that is uh, that is the thing that has affected me the most, I think, not getting to see that. But we'll, it, be the, we'll be out there next year. Yeah, that's, that's the big loss. I mean, you know, we've got this National Day of Reflection coming mm. up because of the lockdown. And I would urge you all to reflect on the fact that we missed the players coming on a gondola. I love, I love a good old winner and loser 
list <laughs> so we're gonna do that a little bit a little bit later on because it, how could we possibly know as well at this stage it's a bit like the winners and losers of the draft 24 hours after the draft you've got Absolutely. no real idea who has won and lost this but we're gonna take a stab at mm, teams uh, that mm, surprised us that look promising in terms of their action and those that maybe have uh, been a little bit lackluster in terms of the deals or, or more pointedly the absence of deals uh in the last seven days but my absolute absolute favorite moment of the last week in terms of free agency goes to michael brockers <laughs> michael brockers uh, these days of the detroit lions uh, of course formerly of the la rams and a hell of a player one of my favorites uh, one of my favorite players now in detroit find himself in detroit could get a little bit tricky in the locker room bed because whilst he was still an LA Ram and when the LA Rams moved on from their former quarterback Jared Goff and brought in Matthew Stafford this is what Michael Brock has had to say about that my heart it's sorry in my heart deeply just understanding what Stafford brings it's a level up over Jared Goff it's a level up in my heart deeply Stafford's a level up and now of course Brock has got to play with Jared Goff in Detroit I mean, no one put a gun to his head and told him, say deeply. Deeply you is know, my favorite part of it. That's that's going above and beyond. I think <laughs> oh, unnecessary. This, there's a there's a lesson. There's a lesson here. Even if you're excited about a new guy coming to your team, unless you can be one hundred percent sure that you are gonna stay with that team, don't say anything about the player who is leaving. Sure, praise the praise the guy coming in, but you don't need to compare him to the other one because that can bite you on the butt far too easily. So, so sorry, Michael. You're going to feel some other things very deeply now. Cautionary tale. Exactly right. Just, uh, just play it safe, players yeah. out there. Play it safe. Right, let's start with the contract extensions. We'll start because this is often, I think, an overlooked part of, of free agency was so obsessed with the big shiny new thing and the new deals that get done in terms of players going from A to B. But a lot of the best business, of course, gets done in terms of player retention. We'll start with two of the, the biggest names that got deals done early on, very different types of deals as well, and two players that are at very different stages of their career and have seen very different trajectories over recent years. Dak Prescott re-upping in Dallas and Cam Newton re-upping in New England. Now, New England, spoiler alert, we're going to look at in a lot more depth a bit later on in the pod for, for pretty obvious reasons. And if you've been under a rock for the last week, uh, you might have missed that the Patriots have been prolific in terms of their spending, which is wholly uncharacteristic for the franchise. So we'll look at that uh, in a bit more detail. Suffice to say, Cam Newton is the one player I want to talk about first up. Resigns on a one-year deal. And of course, the deal he signed originally was a one-year deal. Getting quite late into last off-season. This one's worth a little bit more, but not much, Ben. It's worth up to $13.6 million. They're paying him backup money. Yeah. Middle of the pack backup money. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy to look at the stats last year. He threw more picks than he threw touchdowns. The Patriots didn't make the playoffs. They were not, they were not really in the running. Um, the Patriots were not good last year, and we know there are many, many reasons. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, br- breaking news: the Patriots were not that good last year. Um, you know, a lot of that was that there was nobody for Cam Newton to throw the ball to. Bill Belichick, I'm going to trust his judgment. If he feels that he can get more out of Cam Newton, then I'm going to I'm going to say, okay, you know what you're talking about. However, because of the way that deal is structured. 
if they want to bring someone else in, if they want to draft a quarterback in the first round, they have not committed much money. The deal is very, very team friendly. Cam Newton really wanted to stay with the Patriots. He and they liked him as well. I mean, they liked him in terms of everything he brought to the role there, right? So not just uh, what they saw in flashes on the field. And there were some good games from Cam. I mean, let's not forget that. And his season demonstrably decline after COVID, right? After his bout with COVID. And I don't think that should be discounted. I don't know that everybody's saying his arm's gone, look at the way he's throwing, but the big game against Seattle in the air, like he, he showed flashes, right? And But irrespective of the indifferent performance on the field, off the field, by all accounts, an absolute leader. They love him. And that's just testament to Cam because this is an organization that is the, the, the blueprint of not suffering fools gladly. So if Belichick approves of a player and approves of the way they conduct themselves, then they're doing some right. And all this talk, Cam Newton is disruptive and trouble in the locker room. Forget about it. No, people, people like to have that impression of Cam because he would turn up to press conferences in a flamboyant outfit. Right. And they look at Bill Belichick and think, oh, how can, how can these two work together? Like their right. wardrobe choices are going to be a fundamental sticking point. Bill Belichick doesn't care about that. Cam Newton doesn't care about that. They just want to get, they just want to get things done. Cam Newton is a much better and more intelligent player than people give him credit for. Absolutely. And he was able to mesh with that organization, with Bill Belichick and, they didn't get the results. They didn't get the results on the field. There are, like we say, a lot of reasons behind that, but not because Cam Newton was a nuisance or that Cam Newton couldn't work with Bill Belichick. Quite the opposite. The absolute opposite. I mean, who do we think that Bill Belichick actually likes more, Cam Newton or Tom Brady? Oh, right now, I think it's it's almost certainly got to be Cam Newton. I don't yeah. think. I, I mean, that down the line, they'll be. Do you see? You know, the two Bills, great documentary. Oh, where spectacular. They were brought back together and there was and what was great about that. Many things great about that documentary, but Belichick's emotion, I thought, was was remarkable to see uh, just 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 how he is a man who throughout his uh, stint in the public eye has been the very definition of poker faced, right? And kind of granite faced and, you know, the deadpan press conferences, the iconic delivery. So to see him actually get emotional well up and you know uh, was remarkable but yeah that frosty frosty relationship and certainly it was frosty on camera when they reunited that's how i imagine belichick the belichick and brady 30 for 30 doc will go in about 14 years time uh incidentally you talk about cam newton's wardrobe let's not discount you know belichick's got some he's got some funky numbers there i'll be great if cam sort of cut pulled out off the uh sleeveless hoodie uh, oh, for a presser, just as I, a nod, as a nod would, of re- mark of respect. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to see them um, swap wardrobes, even. But yeah, as a, as a mark of respect, it would be like when swap um, wardrobes. Matt yeah. Matt Nagy on his first play uh, as Chicago Bears head coach, he put he put the team in the T formation as a as a nod to kind of the glory days of like the nineteen forties, but. I mean, perhaps don't lead with, don't try to go back to the 1940s. <laughs> don't waste a play yeah. either. Whereas Unless be, you're Andy Reid. If you're Andy yeah. Reid, then it's fine. If you're, yeah. Matt, if you're Matt Nagy, you don't. All right, Dak Prescott, a four-year, much bigger deal. Four-year, $160 million contract, which actually has a, a max value of $164 million, to be precise. 126 guarantee, which is the crucial number always when you're looking at these deals. But here's the absolutely fundamental thing about this. The reason the Cowboys and Dak Prescott and his people didn't get a deal done 12 months ago, whenever, you know, thereabouts was almost entirely, we are led to believe down to that. 
length of contract and the difference of opinion there. That Dak wanted a five-year deal and the Cowboys didn't want to give him a five-year deal. So they franchise tagged him. So Dak made a pretty penny in last season, for last season, of course, was injured uh, during the season and has now got his four-year deal, irrespective of that injury, at a very decent rate, thanks to Mahomes and others setting the market uh, pretty tidily. So he's made more money significantly than he would have done if he'd done the deal a year ago. And he's got exactly what he wanted. So Dak Prescott, game, set and match on this deal. Yeah, huge win for him. And yet it's it's something that works for both parties because the Cowboys had made it clear they want they wanted to keep him. And Dak had made it clear, I want to stay, but these are the circumstances that I need to get it done. And Jerry Jones, when when Dak Prescott's season was ended last year, he he'd he still was saying you know Dak is our Dak is our quarterback and we will we will get this done right and he said um he said during the playoffs which obviously the Cowboys were not involved in he said during the playoffs that you know how much more leverage could Dak Prescott have right and I appreciate Jerry Jones's honesty I appreciate the fact that Jerry Jones got this got this done in what is a more player-friendly deal than a team-friendly deal. They've got one of the elite quarterbacks. There's that word. They've got one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. They know it's harder to get one through free agency than it is to, you know, keep one. Mm-hmm. They've kept him. It's it's a great deal for Dak. It's what he wanted. And I think, they, I think they're going to be good again. I couldn't agree more. Bizarrely, when you're talking about these numbers and what he's achieved, one of the most underrated players in the NFL. I think that yeah. has to be in that conversation. How much of the money that he's making here, and I think it's only fair that it's some of the guaranteed wedge, uh, should he give to the noosh? Ben oh. <laughs> it wouldn't be nice if you just gave him a million in a, suit, it's a suitcase. As Ben Danucci is being told, you're not even going to make it on the practice squad next year. Um, okay, locker, he opens up his locker and there is a briefcase with a, just a million, cool million in notes. Yeah, in a, with a, a Gucci Danucci logo on the on the case. <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, the uh, yeah he's the MVP. Uh, Juju uh, re-signing with the Steelers, which I think surprised a lot of people. I think many people thought he'd be off, not least as we heard very recently on this show, courtesy of Britt Pryor, that uh, the Steelers in all kinds of uh, or facing all kinds of challenges in terms of the number of free agents they have and managing their cap, which is uh, markedly less positive position than others around them, but they uh, take Juju on, but they have, or he has, or the two parties have agreed uh, to a lower deal, a one-year deal worth 8 million and his cap number for 2021, 1.6 million, which is of course integral. So we're seeing this a lot, particularly this year in the COVID affected salary cap year. A lot of players, or certainly a number of key players, doing the right thing for the team. And that's a, a strong move from Juju. Obviously, Roethlisberger, his quarterback, did something similar as well. What do you make of the Juju staying as a stealer? I was very surprised. Mm. Um, he was doing all kinds of all kinds of things at the end of the season. You know, it, people were people were sending him messages on Instagram or putting things on Instagram, saying things like, "Oh, you know, come join this team." And I think someone did a mock up of him in a Dolphins uniform, and he he liked the post on Instagram. And of course people will read lots of things into that. He was, <laughs> he was kind of bad mouthing the team a little bit and making it clear that he was going to, he was going to look elsewhere. And yet if we're to believe the reports, he turned down more money from Baltimore, more money from Kansas city to stay with Pittsburgh. 
and say, this is my home. This is where I want to stay. I mean, it's not literally his home. He's from California, but that he said he didn't want to leave. Now, a lot of Steelers fans are very pleased about that, but mm. I have seen, because I thought I, this is just, this is just weird to me. He's not, he's not the player that I thought was going to come out with that sort of thing. Right. And there were some members of the Pittsburgh media who are not convinced those offers were real, mm. that this is, this is something that has been put out there by Juju's people, mm-hmm. the interest from Baltimore, the interest from Kansas City. Now, if you're Baltimore, Kansas City, it's not necessarily in your interest to say, oh, no, no, we didn't make an offer for a potential star receiver. You know, mm-hmm. that's fine. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's a good deal for the Steelers, but I think he wouldn't necessarily be staying if Roethlisberger wasn't staying. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine in 12 months' time, we're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and his new team. Mm. I don't think he'll be a stealer in 12 months time. I think he'll be off, um, but he's a very talented player and this is good for Pittsburgh right now, but it's, it's a short term thing, I believe, but it's a player. It's a, it's a team friendly deal and they did the right thing. Giving him the benefit of the doubt, then absolute respect. If he has stayed there, when the, if those were the deals on the table, both Super Bowl contenders know that about it, Kansas city and, and Baltimore next season. Right. More so than the Steelers, mm-hmm. I, think, I think we feel. And he stayed with the team, then for, for, and not, not because they paid him to do so, then respect. So yeah. we shall see. But, I'm, but equally, we live in a world where mm, it is highly likely that uh, smoke and mirrors from his agents, also highly likely that whichever social media intern liked that post with him <laughs> in, a, in a Dolphins jersey has been fired, was fired immediately on the spot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Jones re-signing a four-year deal with the Packers, $48 million. Who says running backs don't get paid, Ben Isaacs? Who says oh. their value is diminished? A $13 million signing bonus had to get this deal done, or hell would have broken loose with the other Aaron in Green Bay <laughs> if this hadn't been done, right? Yeah, can you imagine? I mean, I, I don't necessarily dislike the deal, and I can see why the deal was made. But it is a decent chunk of money for someone who's averaged less than 850 yards per season as a Packer. And if you look at the other running backs in the NFC North, the two other main ones, you've got David Montgomery, who's on a rookie deal, and Dalvin Cook, who is elite. They've both got a higher average per season. I'm, li- I'm taking the Lions out of it because they've got three starting running backs and no one carries the ball very often. So there's, it's, it's a strange thing. He's getting paid near Dalvin's numbers, but he's not even getting David Montgomery's yards. He's an important part of that offense. More, exactly. There's more to it. Though. It's a really fair point, but there is more to it than that. Yeah. And they need him for that offense to keep clicking. And the right. offense really was clicking last year. And could they have got rid of him, saved money, bringing someone else in who was just as effective? Maybe, maybe they could, but it's a hell of a risk to take. Mm-hmm. So you've got your sort of winning formula. I'm sure a lot of Packers fans are, are thinking, yeah, we'd like to win the NFC championship at some point, but they've got, <laughs> they've got a, a winning formula, at least in the regular season and disrupting that to save 10 million. Isn't necessarily the smart thing to do. So I get why they did it, but I think he's got the better part of the deal. He wanted to stay. 
and there were there were other offers he could have taken. He could have made more money potentially elsewhere, but he wanted to stay. And I think the Packers will be very relieved. Okay, let's get into players that haven't stuck around that have gone to pastures new, starting with Kenny Golladay to the Giants, because he was, of course, one of the big receivers on the market, particularly after Adam Robertson was locked into your boys, the Bears, and tagged there. So Golladay, I think, became pretty much the hottest receiver on the market, certainly amongst them. Uh, the Giants a surprise destination, though, for him. A four-year deal, $72 million, $40 million guaranteed. So Kenny's got paid. Love the move from the Giants. Interesting choice of destination for Golladay, though, because well, he had no shortage of suitors, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the Bengals were interested. He could have worked with Joe Burrow. The Bears were interested. He's from Chicago, and he would have ended up being in one of the best wide receiver rooms in the league if you had Golladay, Robinson, and Mooney. Mm. But going to the Giants, who are in a desperate need of a number one wide receiver, he's going to be targeted so much. Right. He is going to be the guy there. And media market as well. And uh, Mike Floro was reporting that the $18 million per year uh, that he's getting, right, and incentives will push that up, was a lot more than anyone else was offering. That's what Florio is saying. So if he is weighing up, yeah, there are pros and cons with with the the teams you mentioned, Chicago and and, and Cincy. I'm not sure whether others are in the room or not. You'd think they were. You'd think there would be other offers on the table. Mm. But anyway, you're then seeing, well, hang on, I'm going to make $5 million a year more, and I'm in a massive media market, and I'm going to be the main guy. Yeah, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And the the thing is, he it, it is still a lot of money because he missed 11 games last year. Right. And the wide receiver market is down. The wide receivers are not, in general, are not getting paid like they were. In fact, the Golladay and the offers he was getting, although they're, it's a good amount of money, was enough to make Alan Robinson, who said, I, well, I'm not going to sign the franchise tag, when he could see that... Golladay wasn't even getting as much attention as others might. He then decided to sign the franchise tag because he knew that it was not worth going out on the open market. The worry for me for Kenny Golladay is Daniel Jones. And he's Golladay has claimed that part of the reason he's come to the Giants is to work with Daniel Jones. Mm. I, I do not buy it, I'm afraid, Mr. Well, Golladay. He's not going to say. <laughs> no, but he doesn't need to say that. He well, doesn't need to say anything. He did, though, right? I mean, I think if he doesn't mention his quarterback that he's about to land, that would be awkward. That would be not Brocker's level awkward, but it would be. Uh, I think I think you've got to talk awkward. around it. I think you've got to say, you know, this is such a this is great offense. I think we're really going places, all this sort of stuff. You don't need. You spin it. Yeah, he made out that he was going to be playing with Daniel Jones for a long time. Um, whereas Daniel Jones might be in the XFL in a couple of years. So I I don't, I mean, if the XFL still exists, that's another podcast. What's going on with the XFL merging with the CFL potentially? Anyway, anyway, Golladay, the thing I love about Golladay is the contested catches. Mm -hmm. You throw the ball up there and he will go get it. And that is what the Giants need because a lot of the balls thrown by Daniel Jones are just like a kind of someone go get it. A bit like Trubisky with Alan Robinson. Alan Robinson is the number one at contested catches in Mm -hmm. the league. Number two is Kenny Golladay. So I love this for the Giants. He's making a good amount of money and it gives, if Daniel Jones is the answer and we don't know, my guess is he isn't. The only way to find out is to give him a weapon to actually throw the ball to because he hasn't had that. So, Exciting, exciting move for the Giants. Speaking of which, let's talk about the Will Fuller deal to Miami because I love this deal. Uh, 10.6 million 
fully guaranteed. It's a one-year deal. Now, Fuller is a burner. Fuller is an injury risk, sure. But for a one-year deal, I think it's absolutely the right move to arm a young quarterback like Tua in his sophomore year with with a solid burner like Fuller. You look at the the prototype of this move in recent years, of course, was was Diggs and Allen, right? The the mm. obvious missing link there with a young quarterback finding his way was an elite receiver. And I'm not comparing Will Fuller to, to Stefan Diggs. They're not at the same level, but Fuller's a strong receiver. And we saw the impact that that had quite clearly in terms of the, the evolution and progression of Josh Allen. Now, I think Lamar Jackson uh, and the Ravens have suffered from a similar problem in recent years. He hasn't had enough around him. To your point, if they're going to understand what Daniel Jones is capable of, then give him weapons to play with. We don't really know what Sam Darnold is capable of and everybody writing him off and saying the Jets are going to move on because he's had very little to, to, to deal with in the last few years. Love this deal. It might be one of my favorite deals of the whole of free agency so far. Oh, yeah, it's it's a great one. Um, they needed something in the passing game because they were they were lacking. It's all about the weapons. He's so fast. His roots are great. And they've got they've got they've got him at a really good price. Exactly. And if if it doesn't work out, then they haven't taken a massive hit. It's not someone who they've signed to a four year deal and kind of mortgage their future. And if, if this doesn't work out, we're rebuilding. If this doesn't work out, they try with someone else. It's you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. Of course, there were the injury things. He's not played more than 11 games in a season since 2017. That's been a combination of injury and suspension. But they don't have that much risk. There's not too much tied up in this. It's someone else for Tua to work with. He's an experienced player. He will be a big upgrade for the Dolphins. And yeah, I give this one very much my seal of approval. Speaking of big upgrades, Mitch Trubisky goes to the Bills as a backup. And Andy Dalton comes in to the Chicago Bears. I mean, that's a for me a, a significant upgrade. I <laughs> I know I know what you're going to say, but actually, no, you and I are Dalton apologists, right? So let's yeah yeah let's tackle what's been going on here in Chicago. So making a play for Russell Wilson, three first rounders was apparently the the offer plus players, right? Yeah, three first rounders plus starters couldn't get it done. Now shefty's reporting that the deal's not dead in the water and it's complicated as you were pointing out to me on my radio show the other day the uh the the limit you can deal first round picks uh going forward is uh is seemingly a problem for the bears to get this deal done but they can flip picks in the draft. So the, the rationale is if they feel that the Seahawks might have their eyes on a player that the Bears are about to reach for, then they can get the deal done then and convert it. So all is not lost, Bears fans, apparently. Yeah, yeah. so if if you're a Bears fan and you are desperately hoping or would massively disappointed that the Russell Wilson deal didn't get done, then rejoice because that doesn't mean it won't get done. However, however... Let's say this let's say this deal happens. Russell Wilson then has to join a team that has got rid of a couple of star players mm-hmm. and is not be picking in the first round until he's about 38. So it's to me the sensible thing to do. They've you know it, they clearly 
really want Russell Wilson. They are going to do anything they can to get Russell Wilson, and it is not off the table. But the more sensible thing to do is to now forget about Russell Wilson, accept that Andy Dalton is going to be the starting quarterback next season. He's reliable. He's unlikely to take the team to the playoffs because this is not really a playoff team despite making the playoffs last year. And draft someone in the first round this year who will hopefully become the starter the following year. Mm-hmm. That's that's I think what the Bears should be hoping for. However, because Nagy and Pace are on the hot seat, they need to win now. If they can get Russell Wilson in, right. they can win next season. Now, let's let's put it like this. The Bears have made the playoffs twice in the last three seasons when Mitch Trubisky was the starter. He's been the starter for three seasons. He's missed games. We've also had Chase Daniel come in and Nick Foles come in and made the playoffs twice each time. If instead of those quarterbacks, you had Russell Wilson as the quarterback each time, are the Bears a Super Bowl contender in those three years? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So putting Russell Wilson in makes massive sense for Nagy and Pace. They can just shoot for the moon next season. Mm-hmm. And if it goes badly wrong, they're out of a job. They're but they don't on. have to deal with the salary cap mess and the, the there's no draft capital. They don't have to deal with it. So whether the Wilson deal gets done or not, it's it's going to be absolute chaos. It's going to mm-hmm. be a soap opera in Chicago. We've seen it before and we'll see it again. And I have no idea who will be the starter in 12 months time. I couldn't even hazard a guess. I would just say it's probably not Dalton or Nick Foles. Really, really interesting take on that. And the final thing I'll say, which I kind of led with by describing us as Dalton apologists, I don't think Dalton is done yet. For those of you looking at him as, because he was a backup in Dallas and because he didn't exactly uh, light the sky up when he came in, to let's face it, a Dallas team that had basically thrown in the towel by that stage. And of course he had his own uh, issues, of course, in terms of health last season, he's not done yet. He is definitely can, can put in maybe not as electrifying or exciting as lovable as a Fitz magic cameo, but he can put in that kind of season. I think Dalton, I think he can, he will surprise some people uh, about uh, in terms of what he's got left in his arm. And let's not forget the amount of experience this guy has had. He was always, always, at that water margin level, right? I mean, I'm sure our friend Matthew Berry always talked about the Dalton line and, you know, that was the the the, the, the water margin for can you win a Super Bowl with a quarterback of this caliber? But that doesn't, shouldn't discredit if he's never been a great quarterback from the fact he has been a very, very solid pro for, for over a decade in the NFL, which is not an easy thing to do. couple more quickly because we've got a lot of ground to cover, Ben. Mm-hmm. I want to get your perspective on what the Chiefs have done, specifically in terms of the moves they've made to the offensive line, because that has divided opinion, I think it's fair to say. Talk us through what they've done and, and what your perspective is. Well, they... Obviously, we saw the Super Bowl and their problem was the offensive line, that they had people injured and they could not keep people out of Mahomes' face. They then got rid of those injured players who had been fantastic, but they clearly felt they could not rely on them. And they brought in, they brought in new, uh, new players, including Kyle Long, former Bears lineman, all pro, absolutely fantastic player, but 
stepped away from the game because of severe injuries. And clearly he's had enough time off to forget how that, how that felt. I feel they are plugging in pieces that aren't necessarily a good fit. Mm. Um, I think they would have liked to get Rodney Hudson rather than Kyle Long, but they've ended Long up deals Kyle. tiny though, right? It is. It is. It's yeah. to me, it's not, it's not the financial, it's not the financial issue. It's the fact that I don't think he's going to come close to finishing a season. Mm. And you've still then got that hole. The offensive line is important for any team. But we saw on Super Bowl Sunday that the Chiefs went from being an unbelievable team to a team with massive problems if they can't, if they can't protect Mahomes. They are nothing if they can't protect Mahomes. Yeah. And the deals that they have done don't make me think that they can protect Mahomes in the way they need to. Mm. So I'm a little bit worried about the Chiefs because I think they have had one of the worst free agencies of all of all the teams right now. Oh, okay. I well, think that, they are down there. That's nice to lead us into that. The teams that we think have had uh, the best free agencies where we're going to concentrate, but we can chuck in a few that we think we've had stinkers as well. One more individual deal, though. The, I like This divides us. We, we disagree on this one. Mm-mm. I like the Kenyon Drake deal to the Raiders. Two-year deal worth uh, up to 14.5 million. I like it. I like the fact that it strengthens their hand with a player that, if we're throwing the underrated term around, I think Kenyon Drake is demonstrably underrated. I get that they've got Josh Jacobs, but that makes this deal even better because they can spell him. They can mix it up. It's a different style of back. It strengthens their hand in ways that I think are being a little bit underestimated here. Maybe it's because I'm big on Drake that I like this deal as opposed to them bringing in a similar running back in terms of the the the, the fiscal value, the contract value. Uh, maybe it's because I think Drake has a lot of upside to to have a big couple of years in Vegas. But I like the deal. You don't? Uh, no, I don't. I feel any time that he's carrying the ball, that's taking a carry away from Josh Jacobs, and he's meant to be your franchise running back. And if you can't rely on him to be carrying the ball whenever you need the yards made, then you've got a problem. But are you mm-hmm. keeping him sharp in your, both in terms of specific seasons, but also, and games, if you want to look at it on a micro scale, but also long-term, they're protecting their investment a bit. How many running backs have we seen? I mean, this is the this is the book, run them into the ground, get the next one. I get that. But then if you've got an elite running back like Josh Jacobs, you want to keep him around for as long as you can. Yeah, sure. But if, there's no point keeping him around like kind of well into his 30s if you are not using him when he's young make those make those yards i mean you know unfortunately running backs are kind of 10 a penny mm. unless you're looking at say zeke saquon dalvin cook i think jacobs um, is in that group i think he's in that top that top five I, group i feel he's outside it but if let's say he's in it i don't think you spend this much money that they spent on kenyon drake as a backup or someone to catch the ball out of the backfield. Now, mm. obviously the Raiders may have a lot of packages that they want to run that they feel this is the guy for that. And if yeah. you're a Raiders fan, that's where you've got to hope because if they're planning to use him in even a remotely similar way to Josh Jacobs, then they have way overpaid. If it's to add a completely new wrinkle, then the jury is, is out. I like, I can like Kenyon Drake. I'm just not sure what I've seen from the Raiders offense in the last 12 months that he fits into that. So mm. my guess is they've got, they've got something in mind, whether it works, I don't know, but I would hope they've got something in mind. All right. Let's rattle through the teams that we think have had the best 
free agency so far. So we'll do a couple of lines at each. We've got to really go big on the Patriots though, because they've gone big, right? I mean, it has been extraordinary the amount of money that they have been throwing around because it is surprising in terms of how dominant they've been and the volume and, and cost of acquisition. But also this is not how the Patriots typically do business, right? This is not entirely unique for them, but this is not the Patriot way. They find depth and value in the draft, even in the draft, as you know better than most, Ben. Belichick likes to trade down. He likes to wheel and deal and get a stockpile of fifth and sixth round picks and find value there. He likes to pick up players that have been discarded to the degree of being undrafted free agents or certainly where other teams feel that they are past their sell-by date. They tend not to put their hand in their pocket and splash out money on a concentration of elite players. And that is what they've done to a significant degree. Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry in particular, I think, fit that bill. And it is tantalizing, of course, because it's reintroducing the Titan tag team mechanic that we saw so effectively all those years ago with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Kendrick Bourne is in. Uh, Nelson Aguilar as well to strengthen the receiving core. Uh, Matt Judon and Carvanoi coming in. Uh, Jalen Mills too. I mean, these are big names defensively, big names offensively. It has been a really interesting play. Robert Kraft said it's like investing in the stock market. You take advantage of corrections and inefficiencies in the market when you can. And that's what we did here. Now, I don't want to, I don't want to second guess Bill Belichick because he's forgotten more about football than any of us will ever know. But if, if this was say five years ago and it was Dan Snyder doing all this with Washington, I'm only saying five years ago because he seems to have calmed down a bit now. Mm. But in those years where it would be Washington fans would kind of jokingly make up T-shirts that would say like off-season champions back to back. <laughs> this, it just gives me that. I want one that, of those T-shirts, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gives me that sort of vibe. Not, not because I think they have massively overpaid for a lot of people, although have they overpaid for a lot of those, these guys? Absolutely. But it's whether kind of any one of those is such a risk that it causes a problem. I mean, I think Aguilar is overpaid, but I do like the fact that they're going back to that two tight end set that they went away from and had so much success with. It's something that Belichick clearly likes to run. They had so many holes and they had so much salary cap money that they could use. And that's that's partly why this has not been the Patriot way, because they've not had to fill so many holes like this this right. is kind of a this has been a rebuild and the reason they've got this salary cap space is because like you say bill belichick likes to trade down in the draft now what's the benefit to that you accumulate these draft picks the more draft picks you make the more players you have who will hit if you only pick two players in the draft then there's a good chance none of them are going to make it you select 15 then even if three or four become starters then you've made it right it's always a much cheaper way to build a franchise than free agency but if you've got all those holes and you've got the money and you've got players who you've identified and say, ah, I want that guy, I want that guy, I want that guy, then you've got to go and do it. Some of these guys are not going to work out, but a bit like the way that he'll draft a load of players more than anyone else, he's done the same thing here. Some of them will make it, some won't, but it's Bill Belichick and he probably knows what he's doing. I think most of them will. I think it's brilliantly described, by the way, but I think... Most of these will, lad. I love this business from the Patriots. Okay, Carl Van Noy, 
Dolphins fans to a person tearing their hair out. I mean, we we'll understand the mathematics, but Carl Van Noy, why has he been allowed to leave? Knows Belichick, knows the Patriot way, straight back in to the fold. They need to sort out some kind of pressure and, and in particular up the ante in terms of sacking the quarterback, which was significantly problematic for them last season. Judon helps with that. So even though he's older and the deal is maybe less balanced, it, he's made, they're maybe overpaying a bit there. He'll be an immediate, immediate impact there. Aguilar, would it surprise you at all if Aguilar kicks on in oh. a McDaniels offense? Not at all. No, if he has a no, 1,300-yard season, we would not be surprised. No. And then I think Smith and Henry are as safe bets as you can get, particularly, again, going into that, that organization. Mills... I guess maybe a question mark. Bourne, he's a kind of mid-lower tier receiver. But again, Bourne is, is, is precisely the kind of player that you know bounces around a bit, has a cup of coffee, then lands up with a ring in Foxborough, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. 87 yards and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. So I love the business. Bucks have taken care of business, re-signing some of the key pieces in that Super Bowl winning side, including Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett as well. Gronk's re-upped to we like what the Bucks have done. What about the Jets? Corey Davis and Carl Lawson coming in. A lot of people like Davis as one of uh, the, the smartest pieces of business in free agency so far. And they've got plenty of cap room to keep spending if they want, right? So what do you make of the Jets so far? Here's a sentence that you don't hear very often. I think the Jets have been really shrewd this offseason. Wow. I really like what they've done. I really like them getting Carl Lawson. I think they've got not only brought in good players, I think they have they have done them in deals that work well for the team. I'm I'm not sure, in all honesty, I'm not sure there are many teams that have done any better in this offseason than the Jets. Wow. I'm, have they won the offseason? Let's get they are, the offseason t-shirts, mate. They're, they're close to it. They're close to it. They are. They're at the very least in the playoffs. They're deep in the playoffs for the <laughs> for the off season champions. Um, you know, I I think they were in desperate need of an edge rusher. They'll get a new quarterback in the draft. You would imagine they may get some extra draft picks trading away Sam Darnold if they can if they can put a couple of good drafts together, and they are doing off seasons like this, and free agency is going well for them. The Jets can be a contender within a couple of years. That's how surprised I am with their free agency so far. And it's only been a few days, but my word, if you're a Jets fan, you've dealt with so much punishment that you should be looking at this free agency class and rubbing your hands together and thinking, are we now going in the right direction at last? Here's a question for you, being our resident college expert here on the show. Everybody's expecting the Jets to take a quarterback at two, right? If the Jets were to trade down, trade that pick away, there are going to be no shortage of suitors that want the pick, right? Yep. They could double down in terms of first round picks at least, right? And probably get more for that yep. pick, right? Why? I I don't think it's the craziest idea that they keep Donald and try and build up a lot of capital with that pick. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea either. I don't think we've seen the best from Sam, Don Sam Donald. I understand that they feel that they might want a fresh start and maybe Sam Darnold could do with a fresh start somewhere else. But if they decide, well, do you know what? Let's get another really good wide receiver. Let's trade this number two pick. Teams will be in a frenzy to take that pick. You don't think the Bears, for example, might want that, might want that pick mm. and be 
prepared to give a couple of a couple of first round draft picks to get Justin Fields or whoever. Well, they were going to give eleven to get Russell Wilson, right? Well, exactly, exactly. They were they were ready to give every future first round pick. Go, oh, ever. That's a great question. How high would the Bears? There was no limit. How high no. would they have gone? Six first rounders, probably. I probably. Would, I bet they'd have done it. Yeah. So, so the, the Jets, the Jets can almost name their price. Yeah. It would not be the worst thing to keep Sam Arnold and get all those draft picks and see what he can do. Because let's say that doesn't work and they have a terrible season. What do they do in the draft next year? They just draft the quarterback. Washington we like as well. Curtis Samuel, smart pick. Fitz will uh, regale us for at least one more year, we think. <laughs> so Washington uh, take care of business. 49ers as well. Resigning Trent Williams, uh, Alex Mack being added. So all of those in the mix. But for me, the uh, the, the Patriots, uh, the Jets, I think, are our two, I guess, respective picks in terms of winners. What about Lou's? Who do you think? Oh, go on, man. You, I've got to say, I, I, think, I think not enough people are talking about the Browns. Mm. I think the Browns have done so well. I love John Johnson. Um, and they've brought in McKinley, Jackson, Walker. They've, they've brought in so much quality on cheap deals or cheap-ish deals. And mm. the Browns were already pretty good. So I think the Browns are up there. I think they would definitely be kind of conference championship um, off-season champions. But, okay, well, I'm with you on that. What about the team that is uh, locked and loaded for a top three draft pick based on how bad their off-season has been? Have you got any teams that you think have stunk the joint up? Um, well, the Bears. Um, <laughs> the Bears have been absolutely atrocious when it comes to when it comes to this and and it's not even the Andy Dalton thing, although obviously that upset people. It's not the Andy Dalton thing. It's the, it's the, it's the years of having the salary cap problems build up. And as I, as I say, if you have a bad free agency and you have to cut a load of players, like the bears had to cut Kyle Fuller, mm -hmm. it isn't, it isn't the mistakes you're making at that point. It's the mistakes you've been making the years before signing signing players and giving them too much money like like Quinn giving him too much money Mike Glennon <laughs> Mike Glennon exactly Mike Glennon these aren't players who they were picking up at the sort of price that the Bills are paying Trubisky or that Washington are paying Fitzpatrick these were players that they really they, they really kind of like pushed the chips in nobody else was doing that and now the chickens have come home to roost mm -hmm. and you have a team like the Bears that like I say two playoff appearances in the last three years are looking down the barrel of like a top five draft pick next season I don't think anyone has done as badly as the Oof. Bears. Winners and loser, and then I think we'll uh, redub it. All right, we are going to get your top five under the radar, son. You got five, Benny? I do have five. I nice. do have five. Okay. I still was worried for a moment. That's so why my voice raised and got a bit squeaky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got five. All right, yes. so how are we going to do them? Five to one? Are they ranked? Are they um, they, they're like, not ranked. They're all um, just like somebody that's got more than one child. I love them all mm, equally. Fair. Under the radar signings then. Take it away. Okay. Yeah. So Gerald Everett, um, who has, who has signed, um, who signed for Seattle. And he is just one of these players who like, that's the sort of thing that Russell Wilson will have wanted. Yes. And they've got him on a good deal. Um, there were, you know, there were other good tight ends around. There was Johnny Smith, obviously. Um, I love which, this deal. I, I think you're spot on with it. I think he's a really underrated player. I yeah. love it. 
and they pay it's it's a six million dollar deal so it's an absolute no-brainer um i love that one um hassan reddick who was gone from the cardinals to the panthers again it's it's a six million it's a six million year deal so it's it's kind of overlooked now there is a there is a caveat to this because he had um, he had a period during the season last year where he was just absolutely fantastic mm. that he hasn't replicated at other points in his career. So it's it's very easy to get nervous and think, oh, well, I'm not sure how much of that we're going to see. But for that sort of price, I think you're absolutely fine. Um, you know, he has had sacks. He has he has put pressure on quarterbacks, and they. They've now got a nice collection of, of pass rushers there with the Panthers. And it was obvious he was going to leave once JJ Watt was coming. He was going to be the odd man out. And I think it really plays into the Panthers' hands. Matt Rule had coached him in college, knows him well. And I think that's a really nice pickup for the Panthers. Um, you're going to hear the word John a lot soon. From here because on. I'm going to start with John Brown, Ooh, nice. who's gone from the Bills to the Raiders. This is this is the Raiders move that I like more than the Drake one. He signed a one-year deal that on paper is three point seven five million. So he many one-year deals flying around. Yeah, I mean, the, the obviously it's going to be a different salary cap mixture. So I think a lot of these, especially the wide receivers, because yeah. it's become a buyer's market, are taking not a lot of money. Yeah, taking the one-year deal, hoping that they can prove it mm-hmm. and then get the big deal Cash next in. year. Yeah. And this deal with John Brown is the sort of thing the Patriots used to do rather than the deal they made with Aguilar for a lot more money. Mm-hmm. John Brown, I think, would have been the guy for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now, he's ended, up, he's ended up with the Raiders, which is maybe a better move for him, but it's a pittance. Because like, this guy was a number one wide receiver when Josh Allen was still learning. And he's, you know, he, Stefan Diggs came in, and Brown kind of got pushed to the side a little bit, so his production went down. But he can be one of the bargains of the season. Um, and the Raiders, I think, have been have upgraded there. You know, a lot of pace there as well. With, <sighs> with Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting, I hadn't thought of that. It's just the speed in that receiving core is going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, they're going to be exciting to watch. Um, I know Ollie, the producer, was, has been moaning about the, Always moaning. the Bengals have done. Always moaning. But I really like the signing of um, the cornerback Mike Hilton. He is someone, so he's, he's a slot corner, basically. And slot corners do not get paid very much money. They still can't get the money I think they deserve, considering how the important. changed, yeah. Exactly. The slot receivers are so vital. Yeah. And you've got these slot corners. They're the ones who are going to stop them. If you can stop the other team's slot receiver, you've got a massive advantage. Great so point. They've given him a four-year deal. Um, it's 24 million. There's 6 million guaranteed. He was an undrafted um, free agent when he came into the NFL. I think this is, I, I think the Bengals have done some decent business a little bit away from their offensive line. I know that's a sticky point for certain fans, especially Ollie, but Hilton, I think is really, really good. And I think that's, that's someone who will be really appreciated by the Bengals next season, even if they were not, super excited at the time. It didn't feel like a splashy one. My final one, and this is why I said there's going to be a lot of Johns because we've had, um, we've already had one and now we've got John Johnson who's gone from the Rams to the Browns. Now this one is a bigger deal. This one is um, 33.75 million for th- over three years for 24 million guaranteed. But to me, 
he's he can be one of the best safeties um safeties in the league and he can play pretty much anything in the secondary mm-hmm. he's so versatile um he had some he had an injury in 2019 and he missed some time but apart from that he's been super super reliable um he's probably the best free agent safety in this class the browns really had a need i mean i love what the browns have done and this is this was their this was their top this was their top deal i really think he's going to be on top form for the browns i think the browns really are a team a team to watch i know that you know obviously they made the playoffs i think they could be considerably better next season and he's a big part of it so those are my five under the radar sort of bargains that i think people will be very pleased with loving that great work we're gonna wrap moving away from all of this wheeling and dealing to to raise a glass to drew Brees because he as i said at the top of the show officially announcing his retirement but it was curious, really, because we figured for much of last season, it was no secret this was going to be his last year. And then, of course, the way the season played out and the the wistful looks at, at the end there. And then those great scenes as well when his, uh, when his kids were playing ball with Brady and everything was just all kind of wrapped. Uh, OK, that's your swan song. But then he didn't get the official announcement. That wasn't unorthodox in itself. But then that could have dragged on and on. And then uh, there was hope, I guess, that he might come back for one last hurrah, but it's not to be. No. And I think it's, he made the right decision. It can be so difficult to step away. Was he thinking about it? Do you think think that's why there was a delay? I reckon he was thinking about it. I mean, it's, I would imagine in, in his shoes, he was getting offers from broadcasters already. And he was talking through those and probably deciding, is this what I want to do right now? Do I want to go into broadcasting? Um, and I think that will have tipped the balance that he felt, okay, I do want to do this. I will be able to stay close to the game and I'll be, you know, a, a big shot straight mm. away. And yeah, I think he was, I think he was thinking about it. He's done the right thing because I, there has been a decline and I think the decline would have been that much worse next season. I think it would not have been fair to the saints. And I think the saints would have indulged him, but I think it's not fair. I think the saints needed to move on and, I still don't know who's going to be quarterback at the end of the season, but I'm glad it's not going to be Drew Brees. I don't want him to have a terrible last right. season. You don't want him to be like those heavyweights or any boxer for that matter that, that comes back for one fight too many. And it was getting that way, wasn't it, really, last year? His arm had, had gone. But let's not forget what an influential player he was. J-Bell was on uh, my radio show the other day telling us, Exactly that. The significance of Brees, not just in terms of what he brought to New Orleans and, of course, the Super Bowl win, which was so rehabilitating after Katrina and that indelible link between him and the city and the the fans and indeed Sean Payton and that connection uh, was remarkable. Achieved that, achieved more passing yards than any other player in the history of the game. All these individual records in the top three top four top two all of all significant all making him a hall of famer but it was the fact that the style of player that he was diminutive for a quarterback the kind of build and makeup that when he came into the league was entirely unorthodox was even at the time he came into the league was question marks about whether given the fact that the predilection was for a 6'5", 6'6", tall pocket passer, 
And here was Breeze, not that at all. How instrumental, Ben, has he been in shaping the change in NFL narrative uh, in terms of quarterbacks? I think it's been massive. The, um, you know, ironically, the, the player that he was backing up when he was drafted and he came to the Chargers, he was backing up Doug Flutie. So you've got two of the sm- two of the kind of smallest superstar quarterbacks that the NFL's right. ever had. I'm, right. I'm using superstar for Doug Flutie because he really did have his moments at times. Um, so, you know, the Chargers kind of led the way there. Now, there was there was so much talk about, you know, how, how can you have a quarterback of his of his size? Um, how is he going to see over the offensive line? How is he going to see over defensive linemen when hands when hands are up? Well, do you know what? There's a little bit more to it than that. If you've got a talented arm, it's not like he was so tiny. He couldn't, you know, see over his offensive line. It it showed that the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks of the 1980s and the early 90s, it was like they all had to be a certain shape and size. And it right. was very limiting. And in the year following Drew Brees, you had a lot more variety. You've got different body shapes and sizes, and it's there are still going to be certain body shapes and sizes that will that will work better. And would Drew Brees have been better if he was a couple of inches taller? I mean, what's he going to do? Throw for even more yards? It, you know, I don't <laughs> right. think it would have don't think it would have made a difference. Mathematically possible. It's literally yeah. impossible, Ben, that he could have exactly. <laughs> so he did change the way that changed the way that teams looked at those players and yeah. no longer did they think, Oh, they're too small to do it. It's, are you good enough? And they were able to do, and you know, he's someone who grew up in Texas, grew up in Austin, Texas, where the university of Texas is. And no doubt he would have loved to have gone to the university of Texas. And he ended up in Purdue, mm. which is in the big 10 in Indiana. So the big schools in Texas were not interested. He was there playing well away from them. And that shows you how he's been a bit overlooked mm-hmm. through the whole time. I mean, even when the Chargers got rid of him, they were overlooking him. And yeah. he went to the Saints. He'd been a really good quarterback. He went to the Saints and won that Super Bowl. And I'm not sure that any Super Bowl has ever meant more to a city than mm-hmm. that Super Bowl did to the New Orleans Saints. And I'm not sure any single player has meant more to a city than Drew Brees. And he's not a local kid. Like I say, he's Texan. And yet he was a symbol there of, do you know what? We can get through this. We can, we can do big things. We've gone through Katrina. Things were not right for us, but we're back and we're doing it. And if we all put our minds together, no one can stop us. doesn't matter. And he is the symbol of that and absolute legend. Everyone loves him. He's, He's going to be great broadcasting as well. So if you love Drew Brees, don't worry. You're, you're not going to get rid of him. He's, yeah, that's beautifully said. And I remember doing a game out in New Orleans early on in my career. It must have been the 2008 season, I think. So post-Katrina, um, early on, pre the Super Bowl as well. And this isn't unique to New Orleans by any set a stretch, but the connection between that team and that city is extraordinary and of course was accentuated by the the trials and tribulations that the city and its people faced so i think you're right i think that super bowl was such a in a such an important important thing and breeze will be immortal as a result in the big easy uh what a player and uh, as you rightly say we're going to be seeing plenty more of him 
Uh, and given the competitive nature of quarterbacks uh, going into broadcasting, I wonder what his take will be, where he'll be in the pecking order with Romo, with, <laughs> with Aikman. Uh, and we'll see, see, that, see the angle that he takes. Brilliant stuff, Ben. Always a pleasure. Now, we're going to be seeing plenty more of you because we are going to be dropping a new strand on the Natcombe Show, College Days. Uh, how do you like that? College Days, D-A-Z-E. We're dropping that. Uh, and you are our guy for that, of course, our resident college expert. So a new strand staying on the same channel. It'll be dropping extra episodes. We're going to be looking at key players coming through the college ranks that are going to be ending up in the NFL. And of course, when the college season starts again, uh, we'll be looking at some of the big games that you can catch on ESPN player that weekend. And given the fact that it's a small matter of the draft coming up in around six or seven weeks time, we are going to have our hands full, plenty of those episodes dropping. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for college days coming to a podcast near you soon. Looking forward to that, Ben. I uh, can't wait to enroll. Nice. I see <laughs> what you did there. Ben, you're my winner of free agency. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Get a ben Isaac's t-shirt done. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Take care, bud. See you soon. See you guys. Bye. Crackers stuff from Ben. He will be back very soon. Keep your eyes open for our college days strand really looking forward to adding that to the mix as we build out build up keep the show rolling speaking of which at the nc show facebook instagram twitter we're going to be putting out lots more content on there, video content and a whole lot of other stuff we got planned as well throughout the off season we will keep you up to speed on everything you need to know about this league that we love. So go and check us out there. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed to the show, you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.